Okay, with Larry Downs, Monday's Hero is the screenplay, a winner at our festival. It's kind of Americana in a nutshell. It's got football craze town. It's got LGBT rights. It's got a, like a murder. It's got some some violence going on. It's uh, it's a really engaging script, and it seems so thematically that it's kind of centering on a very important time in our lives. It's like you're kind of showing us what society is in a nutshell with your script. I don't know if that was conscious on your part or unconscious. I think so. I also like to think uh, just how far we've come as far as if a gay athlete played on a team sport, how he would be treated now compared to uh, in the early 2000s, let alone the 1980s and things like that. Well, 1980s, he wouldn't, he'd be ostracized and kicked off the team, right? So that's when I was playing collegiate sports. And that's when, uh, yeah, I don't think uh, a gay man would have very much uh, wiggle room at all. It'd be very difficult and he'd probably have to hide it. Well, and let's 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 put say the odds are that there was a lot of gay athletes playing professional sports who did hide it, right? The odds say that there was. I agree, and there, there's a lot of gay professional uh, athletes, but a lot of them just come from single sports such as skating and sure. uh, and things like that. Where a team sport, we uh, I think there's a hockey player out in Western Junior Hockey League that uh, came out. Uh, that's the only. Um, guy that I know that's really came out in a team sport. One of the coaches of the Jags, Jaguars, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, came out last week. So that's the first coach. Uh, to okay. Come All out. Right. So All yeah, right. we are progressing. So football craze town. What is the town? Like, where are we? It's like Pennsylvania, Texas. Like what, where are we in this, in this situation? But the more I wrote the script, the more I felt that uh, the uh, something around Texas yeah. Uh, in the deep south, mostly Texas, where I think uh, would be the perfect time to do it because uh, high school football is nuts, let alone collegiate football. It's just uh, it completely occupies the town. It completely uh, identifies the town. Yeah, we learned that like a Friday Night Lights, right? Like the book, Buzz Bissinger's book, and then obviously the TV show and the movie. But yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like I remember my my dad went to school in Pennsylvania and he would say that Nobody cared about anything except for Friday and the, the high school football team. Like they're, yeah. they're, I was lucky enough to play collegiate baseball in Orlando, Florida, and we okay. went to some high school games there. And the entire student body is involved: the players, the band, the drill team, people filming it, the parents. Even the high school teams had decals on their helmets. It was just so in. They were so into football. And then your baseball team was like, did anybody show up in Orlando and baseball, their football and your college team in comparison? Uh, well, they came from all over the Eastern seaboard. So it was a pretty, pretty uh, a good baseball team, but they all had their input as far as their football experiences when they were in high school. Can I ask, well, how did, where did your baseball career go? Uh, well, I, I like to think I had my day in the sun. I, uh, I played two years in Orlando, Florida, and then two years in uh, Lewiston, Idaho. And then I had the opportunity to play on Canada's national baseball team for six years. And that culminated in the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles. Yeah, so you were on that team? Yeah, I was. As a matter of fact, the Jays are playing in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, they it, lost a heartbreaker last night. Yeah, they they did. But it, it is so cool to uh, see Dodger Stadium knowing fully well that uh, I had played there. So, you, they, cause, yeah, because they, they thought that was in Los Angeles. So then that's like the, the U.S. team at like Mark McGuire. And yeah, so you were on yeah. that Canadian team. That's amazing. Yeah, we were the only team to beat the um, uh, the overall gold medalist, which was Japan. So, uh, And so did you ever did you ever get drafted or? 
Well, I like to tell people I had contract problems with the Toronto Blue Jays. I wanted a contract and they didn't want to give me one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty impressive, like, especially because now, now, like, sorry for the segue, but it's like now we live in like I live in Toronto and p- the kids can play all year round. Right. Because they have the indoor stuff. But I'm, I'm assuming when you were playing, you can only play during the summertime. It's like you get you're like now these kids can play all the time. So they're, they're getting their reps uh, as a baseball player. And that's why you're seeing more more kids in the, in the well, absolutely the other thing too is when i grew up uh there's only baseball on once or twice a week uh we're now baseball's on every single day so yeah. uh, a young fella uh, or a girl can certainly watch it and uh get enthusiastic enough to play it so you're a catcher yes i was however in the olympics my uh our first baseman broke his hand over in uh, holland the uh, week before and just as a sidelight uh the catcher that uh, took my place was rob thompson and now he's managing the philadelphia phillies yeah, because yeah, yeah, he brought Thompson's Canadian, right? So yeah, yeah. So it all kind of connects, like so. So like, do you are you still following the game? It's changed a lot, like very much. So as a matter of fact, seventeen of us are going down to Philadelphia in a week and a half to go see Rob. We even got a private suite; he fixed us right up. So we're really looking forward to going there. So yeah, I, I follow the game quite a bit. Who are they playing? Uh, they're going to play Kansas City and the Washington Nationals. They're staying for three days. They should win those. They should win those. those well, they got to start moving because uh, they got to get a Wells card spot. Same, yeah. same can be said for the Blue Jays as of right now. Oh, like so, we're doing this podcast on on July twenty sixth. Last night, I was up last night working. They they were up seven seven three and they lost in the ninth inning. They lost uh, eight seven and then extra innings. It was just like like stupid manage. Like it's like it, that's the problem with baseball. It's like it doesn't matter. It's one sixty two right, but it's like it matters, but it doesn't. It's like but just like you you we we like like just want to judge the manager. We want to judge everything. It's just like dumb things that are in that game it was like oh my god. It, it doesn't. I know it doesn't matter, but it just gets to me because as, as a fan. Yeah, uh, Matthew, your team's going to win one third of the games. It's going to lose one third of the games, and the manager handles the other third. The last yeah, and that third. was the game yesterday. The manager handles the other third. He lost. He lost that game. So well, always tomorrow in baseball. Usually, that's that's the thing, right? So that, like, I, that's it's like metaphor for life. It doesn't matter because it's just it's one sixty two. But man, what a what a, especially when you're you're investing at your time to one thirty in the morning to watch the game, <laughs> right? That's for sure too. I, I wanted to get up early see some of the Canada uh, uh, Canada Irish uh, Women's uh, World Cup game. So yeah. lots of sports happening. So you're smarter than me. You didn't you didn't stay up to watch the game. So no, no, I went to bed. <laughs> okay, so tell me about the so tell me about your so you're obviously have this is like is this your second career, third career as a screenwriter? I'm just curious, like when when what what kind of motivated you to start writing screenplays? Actually, um, I'm, I remember watching Six Feet Under the. Uh, HBO series. And I was just so inspired by it that I thought, you know what, I think I can do this. And uh, I had written a book on baseball instruction uh, in the 90s. And uh, I just figured that, you know, I really want to do this. So after I finished uh, teaching at school, and I'd come home and I'd sit and I'd write for an hour, hour and a half on uh, on my screenplay. And uh, it started to come together. Uh, I also had a, uh, when I had it together, getting feedback is very, very important and good feedback. I mean, it's tough to just share it with your, uh, with your wife or to share it with your uh, friends. So I got a script consultant up in Toronto and that, that really, really helped a lot. And so how many screenplays have you written today? Oh, just uh, just this one to tell you, they're just banging and banging and banging on it. I've got one more in the oven right now, too. And so you, this is so you so you only started like a few years ago, correct? Yeah. And then the book you made, you wrote was about baseball instructions. Yes, it was uh, 
is so a fan could grab the book and, and read 101 tips on things that he sees at a major league level. Gotcha. That's pretty interesting. I, I'm coaching my son's t-ball team, so maybe I should take a read. Uh, take a read of that. Yeah, it's called Baseball Intellect. Yeah. So, so okay. So, so, so you 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 got motivated. So, why 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 this kind of screenplay? Why like the football craze town, the 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 murder kind of murder mystery, the LGBT? What 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 inspired you to write this screenplay? Well, actually, when I was playing college baseball in Orlando. Um, something happened. One of our, a uh, couple of our players went out one night and they went to a, a gay bar parking lot and they, they lured over a, a patron and they beat him up. And um, it, crazy that they did that. And then on the following Monday, um, the uh, person that was beat up actually was a, was a student at the school and he identified the two players and they threw the two players off the field. So I just kind of extrapolated that story. Uh, and I also wanted to take a look at um identifying with a, uh, a college athlete that uh, had a lot of notoriety, but the cheering had stopped and he had to get on with his life. Uh, we call this athletic death. Yeah. And um, Chris Campbell, who's the protagonist in the story, was uh, a very, very, he was a lawyer, but he was very disillusioned. And uh, this opportunity came along and it got him to get over his athletic death. So you, I, I'm assuming you experienced this athletic death personally too. Yeah, in my modest career uh, as an athlete, yes, it was very difficult to go back into society and uh, just be the, like the cheering had stopped. And uh, it took a couple of years to really realize there's no practice at two o'clock and there's no game uh, coming not up sure. and there's no championship series and your name's not in the paper and you're not getting talked to by the press and things like that. I think it's very, very difficult. And I think... Um, a tremendous amount of athletes in in college go through this when they finish their career. Because because let's like people like let's like like we're talking about football. Only only one percent of the college athletes, Division one college athletes, play in the NFL. So Absolutely. like that's ninety nine percent who like they're now they're getting paid a little bit, but they were getting yeah. exploited for a long time. <laughs> and uh, and like so these players are like putting their 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 heart and soul out there, but then it's over after after four years, it's done. Yeah, I think it's hard to keep it in perspective after you have a coaching staff and you're recruited and you go, go, go for four, sometimes five years of your red shirt and everything's yeah. to make you a better football player. And then, boom, the rug is taken from under you during your sixth year. And what do I do now? Especially if you don't have um, a goal outside of your athletics of what yeah. you want to do. And and let's be honest, a lot of them, they, they people stop caring about them, right? Because they... They're, oh, yeah. they're 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 not famous or they're not they're not helping their team out anymore. I guess right. Uh, what do they say? The world only salutes a winner. Yeah. So that, that there's a that's an interesting thing. There's a parallel uh, with dancers as well, where dancers their body runs out and they they they're on stage, they're doing Broadway, and all of a sudden they can't do it anymore, and then all of a sudden they have to figure out their second career, and it's really difficult because it's really hard to have one good career, be really good at one thing in life. So imagine trying to be good at two things because then the other, the first thing you did, like you as a baseball player, you can't, your, your, your skills got diminished through age and time and et cetera. Right. So, yeah, you know, Matthew and the rest of your life, the thing that you're going to do next will only be the second best thing you've ever done. Come on. You're a better screenwriter. You can <laughs> better than a baseball yeah, uh, player. Yeah. I got uh, Spielberg's on the phone phone after I talked to you. Yeah. <laughs> in full candor it's also like 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 mo like you never like you also know like as, as, as an athlete 
like you know where your what your level is right where like you know that someone else is better than you right someone else is going to go to the major leagues you're not that's pretty heartbreaking as well one would assume right yeah take two seniors that uh, play their senior uh, football year and they go right to the last game of the season and one goes on to be an nfl player and the other one gets hurt in the last game of the season and rips his knee up and can't play anymore yeah even high school right like where like the one kid gets to gets a scholarship the other kid doesn't right right yeah exactly so this is like it's, it's an interesting it's a very interesting story you're really on to something well like i said it's like because you're you're kind of like then there's kind of like the mystery aspect right like it's like there's a gray area of like who's on the right side who's on the wrong side too I guess. right i think another thing too is you kind of get jealous of that all-american you know good looking guy muscles and smart and gets every break in the world and i think you kind of want to hold that hero up to a higher standard and i put chris into a situation where He's going to get to a crosswords if he's going to uh, um, uh, wager his allegiance to the program that made him a star to actually find the truth. And uh, I use this whole idea of uh, a murder of a gay man by a football team. And yeah. Chris has to go in there and figure out the truth or follow the allegiance of the football program. And then you got the other the other the prosecuting attorney who basically is gay. And uh, and who basically has a problem with the football team. Like, so there's like some there's some past issues, I guess. Right. So there's like yes. there's an emotional kind of like there's there, there's emotional conflict. But then there's like the physical conflict of the actual trial, trial I guess, too. Right. right. And I think this gay this uh, gay lawyer, Abelardo Vaz, um, you know, he never played any athletics his whole life. And yet he was he's as competitive and challenging to Chris as Chris has ever faced anybody on the football field. So Chris knows that he's up against somebody who's really, really good in his field. And you're and it's like you're kind of finding that line where like it's it's easy to judge big time collegiate sports. It really is because it's kind of shady, right? My subjective opinion, but you're kind of finding that gray area where, like, you don't want to. You kind of find you're, you're trying. You're not trying to judge too much. You're not trying to pick a side with your script. Um, is that because I would it be a correct correct statement? Yeah, well, I, I think so. I think um, again, going back to Chris's crossroads, there's much at stake for him uh, following the allegiance to the team, and a whole bunch at stake if he follows the truth. And he's going to lose a lot and uh, he's going to get uh, be challenged all the way through, just like on the football field. And he's got to make that adjustment. You said in the blog interview that I, we asked you to describe the script in two words and you said all American responsibilities. Yeah. Going back to, hey, if you're an all American and you're the guy at the top, we need you to uh, to act responsibly. And the four years of your college should have shown you the uh, integrity and the character to maintain that your whole life. And uh, that's why I said uh, all American responsibility. Chris has to do the right thing. So that's sort of what his arc is, I guess. Right. Like he, he eventually it's not about it's like it's like and that's another thing, too. There's, there's, there's that thing in the script where like we're hanging to our past. We're like we're clinging on to our past. We're not we're not moving forward, I guess. Yeah. Right? Chris is doing a whole bunch of uh, uh, dinners with the local football high school team yeah. and uh and his wife and, and he's also playing in the um um the golf tournaments representing his law firm and the only uh, measure of uh chris's strength is, is is the length of his drive versus how well he's doing in his profession yeah that's sort of like and then yeah there's like it's yeah that, there's something really interesting about that like and i'm assuming you this is this is a little bit personal for you as well 
Oh, space. very much so. Very much so. Uh, like I said, it's a, it was a hard adjustment to stop playing at an elite level uh, for a very modest career. I can only imagine what it's like for, uh, you know, major college star athletes in various sports. Yeah. And so then, so you finished your personally, you finished, uh, uh, you finished your sport career, then you became an educator, you became a teacher. Yeah, I was a teacher and uh, I taught at a school that was a school to work school. Uh, so these kids were having trouble with their whole lives and um, uh, in academics. And there was a lot going on in their personal lives. And uh, it was a real interesting group to work with. And uh, sometimes um, um, there was racism and homophobia and you, you had to deal with it as a, a representing society as a teacher. So this is really your third career now. I guess, right? Kind of, yeah, yes, yes. I actually did some work with the Professional Hockey Players Association as well for a couple of years, dealing with players that retire. Um, now this is not National Hockey League players. These are minor league players where 80% of them will not be able to uh, go to the NHL. So they need something to do after they finish playing. So uh, that was another uh, an, another thing that I that I did. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's that's so yeah. It's another interesting thing, like these hockey players who like single, they, they, they're like 16, 17, and they go to like, like junior B, junior A, and then like most of them are not going to make it to the NHL, right? But then they, you tell them that, and it's like they, 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 they're like, no way, I'm going to make it to the NHL. Yeah, it, it, it's in their mindset that it, it's uh, they can lose perspective. Uh, you know, I'm sixty, going to be sixty three years old, and I see what their lives leading. But when you're twenty two years old or seventeen to twenty two years old, you're bulletproof. Yeah. It's interesting. There's there's a story here for sure. And so you're okay. So you're decided. You just said you're 63. So you started writing screenplays in your six, or like in your 60s. Do you remember where you were? Where like okay, I'm gonna when you first like wrote the first page, the first sentence, or you downloaded Final Draft, whatever you whatever software. Do you remember when that was? Yeah, I was. Uh, I had one of those great big clunky uh, compact computers that were just so huge and they hardly fit on your desk and uh, hitting fade in and going from there. But I did have an awful lot of research, too, that uh, I was beside a whole bunch of files and things like that. So, yeah, I do remember that. And, uh, um, you know, I, my wife and I, we don't have any children, so there's an opportunity where I had time to do it, and I wanted to use it wisely, and I wanted to do it constructively. And you did it, I guess, right? So, like, I'm assuming you've gone through many, this script has gone through many drafts. Yeah, yes, it did. Um, one of the hardest parts is, is, is sticking to it and uh, um, um, and taking the feedback and uh, deciding what feedback is really, yeah. really good. And one thing that you think you're more confident in and go ahead and, and rewriting it. Yeah, I'd say it's seven times I wrote this every word. That's the most, what you just said there is the most important thing, right? Like, it's like, even we get feedback, right? But it's 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 basically you know the story best you know your your arc your thematic and if the feedback you're getting is not about your your thematic about what you're trying to say then you don't you don't you can't listen to it right so no, the, other, the other thing too is you might have the greatest story in the world but you have to put it in the proper format mm -hmm. and i think it's a bit insulting if you Structure. try to get it evaluated and um it's the format is the first thing that the the reader or uh, evaluator can't get through. You, you you it's up to you to like go. I'm looking at it right now. The screen book, uh, screenwriter's bible. Uh, you got to make sure you have the format. Yeah, this might be like a. a <laughs> it's maybe not a timely thing, but I used to say that it's about like it's like going on a date with like a, a pretty, really pretty girl, but she stinks. 
<laughs> like that's what a good oh. idea that's what a good idea is it's like yeah it's, or she doesn't have pretty feet yeah i, I agree but no but yeah. she like there's something it's, she smells you can't even get near her because it's like she's so beautiful but you can't get near her because she just she smells so much and it's like yeah. that's like structure and grammar all those things that 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 people you need to have it's the execution right yeah and and again um i'm not just I must admit, wild sound. Uh, that fantastic feedback. Where, oh well, yeah, I see where this person, where I, where I need to do a better job in this. And I knew, uh, and there's a lot of compliments, but there was a lot of really constructive feedback. And I just fed off that feedback to go ahead and put together what I think is pretty well as final a draft as I'm going to do on on Monday's hero. So how does it feel like to to get to like you started like a couple of years ago, and now you're talking to me. I, I had no idea about your past. I just know you as a screenwriter, right? So, like, does um, that like does that how does that feel for you for yourself? Well, I have a sense of uh, a real internal accomplishment, you know, uh, that I worked really hard for something and I got it. Um, I also picked up a couple of awards and a couple other uh, sure. uh, screenwriting competitions that made me feel it really validated what I was doing. And I feel like uh, when people read it, it's certainly not wasting their time, but hopefully opening up their minds more. So what do you, what is your ultimate goal? Uh, do you want this, the script to be made into a film? Like what is your, what is your, what are your expectations? Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think when I played baseball, I thought about ma- making the major leagues and nothing, nothing in the way uh, that I, that I thought would get in the way of that. And I know it's uh, be monumental to have it turned into a film, but yeah, that's what I see it. Uh, it is a feature film and I can actually play it in my head and see it. And therefore, uh, that would be my ultimate goal. And so that that and so uh, and then you're gonna you're you're writing another screenplay now. Yeah, we're taking a look at uh, a bunch of senior citizens that have to uh, win a mall walking race, or they're going to lose their retirement home. So we're that doing... seems to have like a comedic kind of tone to it. Yeah, I, I like to get into comedy. And the other thing too, one of the one of the feedback I got from Monday's Hero was backstories. You have to have backstories. So I figured if I picked on a bunch of eighty year olds, they certainly would have a huge amount of backstory. <laughs> a mall walking contest. That's pretty good. It's, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, well, it, I can see the visual, the cinematic, the visual of the of like you know of walking by like uh, Cinnabon and like all those like Foot Locker. Yeah. Exactly. And all the footlocker, all the footlocker people making fun of them. And yet they're all heavy and out of shape. And yet they can't ma- match the mall walkers because they're better at it than they are. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. And it's a thing. I remember having to go to, I remember doing a merchandising job. I used to have to go to a mall like eight o'clock in the morning. And it's a thing like these, there's like tons of senior citizens walking the malls before. The yeah, I agree. Open. And, um, uh, you know, I just sort of want to take a look at the spirit of life, even when people are 80 and, and how they make out. And uh, uh, also there's the love interest there. And there's also a uh, uh, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl uh, element to it as well. And I want to look at Alzheimer's and I want to take a look at uh, elder abuse as well. That's really cool. So then it's like that's that's your second screenplay. So it's a different script tone wise than this one. And that's what it's about. It's about your body of work and and uh it's about creating that body of work and showing people that you got game but basically you got yeah. you got writing game yeah it's got to come from within you know you got to be so determined to do it and uh um and it's hard to keep inside too you don't really go around and tell everybody hey look i wrote a screenplay because it, it's kind of really way out there sometimes for a lot of a lot of the sports guys i hang around <laughs> well 
I yeah, well, they, they, I think they would be impressed. I think that like they they it's in the in the sports world. It's they, I, I get what you're saying because I'm like I'm I kind of delve into both worlds as well. I'm not on your level, but yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. But it's kind of amazing that where you come. I'm assuming this has been very. I'm assuming this has been very like therapeutic for you as well. Like for you got the awards, you got everything like that. But this seems to be really good for you to, to be doing. Yeah, uh, yes, I think so. And I, I think I have a bit of impression management in me too, where I'm trying to impress people and stuff. But yeah, it feels so good inside to know uh, how hard I work to do it and uh, that it, like a sense of validation. Yeah. And listen, there's a lot, of, it's funny because there's a lot of people who uh, I've talked to uh, who've gone through sports. There's three things. It's military, sports, and being a lawyer. And there's a lot of commonality of like talking to screenwriters like yourself. That's their, that's your second career. You've like, you've done something. And then now, and now, um, now you're, now you kind of like, you hit a certain time in your life, you had some success and now you're kind of like delving into screenplay. So. Oh, I didn't realize military athletics and, and lawyers. Wow. And lawyers. Yeah. Lots of people post uh, who got post military, especially in the States. A lot of people go to the military in the States. Well, I went to school there and yeah, it was amazing in Orlando how many people, because there was an Air Force base uh, in Melbourne and things like yeah. that. Like, yeah, that we're here. We don't have it. Well, we got less people and less military. It's not even, yeah, it's like, it's because it gets people free education, right? So it gives people an oh, opportunity yeah. to get. So like, so they get, they get, they finish the military, they get the free education and then they, they bail, devil in the filmmaking or sports. And then a lot of writer, a lot of lawyers who are very disillusioned by their profession who, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you see that like a lot of successful um, screen, like uh, showrunners, screenwriters are former lawyers on TV and in, in the movies now. So, well, that's interesting. I would uh, envy their ability to use words and use lots of them. Yeah. Cause they're always writing, right? When you're a lawyer. So, yeah. Yeah. I could Cause I, I love sports, right? I, I'm a big fan and I, I believe that. And it's, this is what I do for a living. Storytelling is our thing. I believe there's a, there's so many stories in sports. There's like a story within a story. And I, that's how I looked at, I look at football. I'm a huge football fan, a Buffalo Bills diehard fan. And, and cause I'm from Niagara Falls and basically yeah. it's, it's like, it's like, I see a story that takes place. That's how I, that's how I watch sports from a, from a storytelling yeah. perspective. So yeah. it makes well, one sense. Thing I, you know. One thing I'm learning with uh, sports is uh, you can love sports, but it doesn't always, always love you back. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the case for a lot of things, even, even screenwriting. Unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. that, that's true too. So I hope I'm writing, writing that, writing it for the all wrong, all the right reasons. No, you, uh, that's the, the, I guess the right reasons is just basically you're becoming a better person. And, uh, and like, it's all about boundaries and expectations, right? That's what life's for me. It's about set your expectations to a certain standard. It's like even being an athlete, right? It's like it's like these college athletes, these guys in junior B I was telling you about. It's like the, the, you get to disillusion because your expectations are, are unrealistic, right? So, Yeah, th that's right. And there's got to be a safety net because a lot of people are not going to make it to the NHL and not going to make it to professional athletics or, or the Olympics. And, yeah, there's got to be a safety net either from their family um, or, or even professionally to help these uh, people get on to the next stage of their life. And again, athletic death, when these guys are dead at 25 years old, there's still so much more life ahead of them. And you, it's just like, but also screenwriting too and writing, it's like you need a good support system, right? Yeah. Like yeah. You, you, I'm sure, I'm assuming you had parents and relatives who helped you in your baseball career and like, and basically like they, they took you to your games and like a lot of people don't have that, right? It doesn't uh, yeah, matter I how mean, talented you are. 
extremely lucky. Yeah, dad coming back from the factory, throwing down his dinner and getting me up to Oaks Park to play to practice. Oh, yeah. Oaks Park. Oh, my God. Jeez, giving me all nostalgic. <laughs> I know. I know you'd like that. That's so, but that's, that's a weird coincidence. Oh my God. I haven't thought of that. I haven't thought of Oaks Park in like 20 years. Yeah. Well, they had the Canada games uh, last year and they actually played some of the baseball games at the, they refurbished the park a little bit. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, the John McDonald, uh, my dad's friend. He was like, he was like the deputy mayor of Niagara Falls when Nicholson was uh, the mayor. Oh, yeah. He mm -hmm. wrote a, a dissertation about Oaks Park and about, about helping the economy in that area. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I just I read it. It's just like it's just a funny coincidence that yeah. So basically, it's all about like because they're all about that that regime in Niagara Falls is all about they brought the casino there. They're um, all about help like creating jobs, helping the economy, right? So yes, yes. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's a it's a really great script. I wish you the ultimate best. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll talk again either when you submit your next screenplay or uh, when this is get made into a film. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah, we had a lot of coincidences, and uh, it's I sure bizarre. appreciate it. It's like, yeah, it's really out. crazy, but yeah. yeah. My pleasure. Thanks. I enjoyed Thank talking so to you and meeting you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, for me.